What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Studio 124 with me, your boy, Antoine McGee. And what does Studio 124 stand for? It stands for the most creative space in the world. This is a place where I feel my most creative self, my most spiritual self. And 124 stands for Jude 124. If you don't know what Jude 124 says, this is your time to stop. Go look it up. And then you'll know why it's there. That is my life verse, Jude 124. I stand by that verse. That is the verse that's got me through some tough times and also just gives me hope consistently over and over again. And I want to wish everybody a happy belated Merry Christmas and a new year as we are in 2023. We are so excited for the new year coming up and enough about me. So now I have a guest somebody that i met through another podcaster i'm gonna say his name because y'all know who he is donovan jones this is my new brother my new friend david what's going on david what's going on my man thanks for having me on i appreciate it yeah absolutely this is the mr spiritually dangerous himself um he has a new platform that he just started on instagram called the spiritually dangerous man if that that's right right uh, it's spiritually dangerous is the handle. Uh, uh, spiritually dangerous. dangerous. Yep. Yeah, spiritually dangerous. And he's been pumping out some great content, some actually very thought provoking content as well. I think your last post made me stop and be like, oh, snap. You ha I think you said something. You have a choice today. Yeah. Anybody that starts something like that, I'm just like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, so, man. you know. Everything yeah, I yeah. put out, it's speaking to me too. Like 99.9% .9 of my yeah, content man. is something that I've been directly feeling that morning or that day myself. So uh, it's it's challenging me as I go, which is probably my favorite part about it for sure. Absolutely. And and what a that's the beautiful thing about, you know, doing things for the kingdom is that it's not so much about the people at large. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it has to do with them, but it also deals with us in our innermost parts. Like my pastor always teaches, you can't preach a message where you have not gone before. Right. If you're not familiar with the text or you have not taken the journey in the text up all the way up into the destination where you're trying to get to, where God is leading you to. And then you come back and you preach to the people and get them to that same place. Like you can't just go up there and not be familiar or acquainted uh, with the text. So I love the content. I've been binging your content since I found out who you were. So I appreciate you know, it. Man. I, you. I appreciate you got for doing it. If you have time right now, y'all, y'all go ahead and follow him right now at spiritually dangerous on Instagram. I believe he's going to venture out soon when mm -hmm. time allows. Uh, he's going to venture out soon, but for now, just blow up that Instagram. Let him know that where you found him on studio once before you found him on call that podcast wherever you found it, just let them know support. The, the content is very good. It's life changing. And uh, we appreciate him for it. We need more content just like that, especially now in today's age. Mm -hmm. So can we talk a little bit about where this concept of spiritually dangerous came from? Yeah, absolutely. So it, it kind of, like I just said, it came from a place in my own life. Um, you know, what God was working on in my own heart um, yep. You know, just a little bit about about me, and I won't go into too much detail. But I was saved when I was go for it, man. You know, I was saved when I was six years old. So I, I've been a Christian my whole life. Um, you know, went through my parents splitting up when I was a kid, and that kind of messed me up for a little while. A lot of security issues. Didn't you know have that father figure in my life, um, and so I deviated. Yep. 
from the path, you know, from the way, um, for, you know, a number of years through high school and into college and stuff, but the Lord, you know, as he does, he brings us back. And, uh, and it was really until, you know, in my mid twenties, I, I, I started going to church and, and really got into, um, got excited about being a Christian again, basically, but I developed a lot of religious mindsets during that time. And, mm. um, you know, I, I think I, I, and we'll probably get into more detail on this a little bit later, but, you know, I, I got really good at doing church, um, in a lot of ways, but <laughs> I wasn't so much, it, it, there was a lot to, of work that had to be done right here in, in my heart. And so, you know, really around that 2019 timeframe, something shifted in me where I started reading the word of God, but it wasn't so much to read the word of God for, the reasons I had been reading in the past, you know, which was, you know, I, I, in order to be a good Christian, I need to do this, or this is what Christians are supposed to do, or I need to prepare for this class or whatever. I always had a number of reasons why it was just a box to check on a goal list or something like that. Mm. Um, but it kind of got back to, you know, Lord, I need your direction. I need your spirit to lead me. Like I've tried to do it my way and I've failed so many times. It's like kind of just hit the end of your rope and it's like, I'm tired of doing it my way. I need to do it your yeah. way. And so you started, I started reading the Bible with the mindset of, I'm going to be changed by this. You know, whatever I'm reading yeah. today, I'm going to let it challenge my mindsets, my perceptions, you know, my behaviors, all of that. And and the Lord really started showing up for me in a huge way. And and those early mornings in the word with him became kind of my favorite um, part of the day, Times. really, because it's something yeah, I look forward to the most. And after about a year or so of that, um, through the pandemic in 2020, you know, there was a lot of things that were going on, you know, and it was just a very challenging time for many people. And, and it was really just a, a year of growth for me. And in early 21, I realized, you know, this is something I have to start getting out. I took a lot of notes during those, those uh, studies and, you know, had a lot of just material that I had been writing and marinating in my own self, in my own self. Mm. And so this account is really just my attempt to obey the Lord's call and say everything that he's been yeah. speaking to me. It, get it out because I don't know who else is going to need to hear it. Um, you know, it's, it's, none of it is groundbreaking. Everything is scripture based. It's all things you've probably heard before. Um, but I was encouraged by a buddy of mine to get it out anyway, because even, if, even if, you know, I'm saying the same truth as you, we may present things a little bit differently. And so you never know who I'm going right. to be able to touch through the way I'm presenting it versus who you're going to exactly. touch it be the way you present it. So that's what this account is really all about. It's just taking the foundational truth of what it means to be a man of God. Um, and, and getting it out there and and the the handle spiritually dangerous or that name really comes from a mindset of understanding that as a man of god you know we're at war and there's no ifs ands or buts about that ephesians 6 tells us you know that we are we wrestle against the principalities oh, yeah. and the powers of this world and it does you don't have to take too hard of a look at the world around us to see the spiritual warfare that's going on and the war that we're in <clears throat> and so it's really just that mindset of as a man of God, how do I make myself dangerous? I want to participate in this battle with the Lord. And, and in order to do that, what do I need to, to do? And, and it, it comes from James four, verse seven, where we're simply told to submit ourselves to the authority of God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Um, and so that's kind of the verse that I've, I've based this on. And uh, it's my, my goal in my own life. And it's my mission to help other men get to the same place of being spiritually dangerous by submitting to the authority of God in every aspect of our lives. Whoo! We're gonna let that sit for a second. We're gonna let that sit for a second. Now, but listen, I—that's th one of the things that stuck out to me. Like when I heard you on Donovan's podcast, I was sitting there. I think I was at work. Yeah, I was at work listening to it, and I'm just like, "Yo, this guy is on to something." And it's not. And as you said, it's nothing groundbreaking. It's scriptural, but it's also something when a man steps up and becomes who God created him to be. 
you know, there's a lure to that. There's an attraction in the spirit to that. That's something that most of us, if we really pay attention, it awakens us. And I'm going to be a little transparent early in the podcast. I never normally don't do this before the first 10 minutes, but you know, when listening to your show, it was like, okay, there's some areas in my life that I need to really get disciplined in and really lean more into the spirit. And because I recognize and I, I recognize now that my life is attached to others and because my voice is important to God and he uses it for his, his glory, I got to make sure I'm in step. So that whole, you know, spiritually dangerous and diving into sit, just getting it all out is major, especially like when my podcast journey is similar to Donovan's, you know, God was talking to me about starting a podcast in 2019. I kind of ignored it because I was like, eh, I don't know nothing about podcasting. I don't really want to do that. And then it came up again. And I was like, oh, God, okay. I guess I have to do this. And I started researching and doing things and, you know, and started buying stuff. Like I started buying equipment, this microphone and all these different things. I got a Canon camera over there that I, I, I bought specifically for this that I'm not even using right now because I wanted to be all grand and, wanted it to look a certain way. And I was meeting with a mentor of mine probably like a few months before I started recording. And she was like, just do it now. Stop waiting for that grand thing and where you wanted to go. She said, it's good that you have the vision for the future. She said, but start it now. Mm-hmm. She said, start it now and let God blow on it. Let him rest on it so that it can grow. So that it's not you that makes it grow, but it's him that makes it grow. Right. You know, and that echoes a little bit of what you said in, in Donovan's podcast. Like he, he starts you out small all the time, right. you know, so that you can grow into the space and that you can learn the things that you need to learn while you're in that small space. And I, I thank God for it. And I, I also thank God for you. You're probably gonna hear me say that like four times throughout this entire thing, but just want to let you know that, that, that I do, I really, really do. Yeah. So, all right, before Appreciate we get into the heavy, we're gonna have a little fun. All right. I got a game called make it preach. All right. I got a game called make it preach. I used to do this with other people. I thought it'd be cool for you. So I'm either going to give you a word or I'm going to hold something up in front of the camera and you have to make that preach. Like give me a sermon title or a, some uh, inspirational message based off of that. All right. Make sure, say, start it, you. say it. Cause if you hold it up to the camera, I'm not, I'm not seeing it super clear you. right now. So say it. Yeah. <laughs> so you, I, we'll both just be sitting here staring at each other. Yeah, yeah. So got this water bottle here. Water bottle, fresh, natural spring water. Mm-hmm. Make it preach. Uh, when I think of water, I think of the Holy spirit. And I would, I would say, you know, that, that as a Christian, our primary goal is to be led by the Holy spirit and to be seeking more of his spirit, not more of ourselves. Um, so I would, if I was going to preach on that, it would be submit yourself to the Holy spirit in all that you do and let him lead you and do not lean on your own understanding, your own wisdom. Uh, don't lean on your own, uh, your own vision, your own goals. You alluded to that a couple minutes ago. It's good to have those yeah. plans, but everything we do needs to be submitted to his spirit and he will lead us and guide us in the way that we should go. Nice, 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 nice. If I gave you the word wallet, how would you make wallet preach? Wallet. Oh man, I think well, wallet <laughs> refers to money, right? Um, so there's yeah. the whole financial side of it. You know, I, I think there's, um, it, it reminds me of the parable of the, 
the servants that were given the the talents one received 10 one received five one received one yeah. um you know the two that that the, the two that received the 10 and the five you know they invested it they they used uh what they were given to make it grow um and they were blessed by their master and they returned but then there was the one who just kind of hid it out of fear i didn't want to lose it and so <laughs> he just buried it and when the master came back he was kind of chastised for that yeah. and so as christians we're given gifts and talents and, and things that god has given us and it's our responsibility to use those and to actually put them out there kind of like what you're doing with your podcast to put it out there don't just bury it and hide it in hopes that you won't mess something up or causing yeah, rave, waves or ripples or anything like that Okay. All right. He he came ready to play. He didn't know nothing about this. Two for two. Two for two. Two for two. All right. The last one. The last one. Uh, The word pancakes. If I gave you the word pancakes. Man, pancakes. How do you preach about pancakes? (laughs) Honestly, the first thing that comes to my mind is the Jack Johnson song, like making banana pancakes, but I don't know how to preach about Uh, Food, manna, manna. God is our source, I guess. I would go there. You know, like the Israelites in the desert were given their daily portion. Um, Yeah. God is our provider. He's our source, and he gives us exactly what we need, not more, not less. Yeah, man. That works. I'll take it. I'll take it. My man gave you all three sermons. That was a a good one. (laughs) There's so many ways you could go with the pancakes with though. There's so many ways. So today we're really going to dive in the, uh, on, on the subject of losing religion. Um, because I feel as though a lot of Christians, a lot of believers now are locked into a lot of rules regulations locked into like you said checking things off of a list because oh i went to church today i'm good i prayed today i'm good i read one scripture today i'm good and we lose sight of jesus when we create a checklist because he doesn't have a necessarily checklist all he said was follow me essentially follow me you know take up your cross he did. He said these simple things that have compound uh, factors to it, but it wasn't okay. If you want to be my disciple, you want to live with me. You got to go to church. You got to pay your tithes. You got to do this. You have to do that. You have to do that. No, he literally just said, "Follow me." And because of your proximity to me, that will bring about your relationship with me, because I, I feel like church today, believers today have turned the the faith into uh, a system. I've turned it into something that it's not supposed to be. I remember when I was growing up, going to church, it felt more liberating then. Now it feels like we got to have the right lighting. We got to have the right microphones. We got to have the LED screens. We got to have this person and that person and this person and that person to have good church. And you notice what I said, to have good church. But it's not about having good church. What happens after you leave the four walls? What's happening in your heart? What's happening in your soul? What's happening in your mind? Are you seeing victory after victory every day? Versus, oh, I'm coming to church, having great church. They're singing. I'm crying. I'm at the altar and praying. I felt really great. I got a, a spiritual high, but you left empty. You left still fighting the same thing you were fighting. And when you go home, you're not equipped to handle this thing on your own because you keep going through the cycles of 
sin. Right. So uh got a scripture. We're going to dive into it. And then I want to get your, your feedback on it. Um, Cause I think part of one of the religious things that we need to get out of is the lack of Sabbath, the lack of rest, you know, the lack of taking time to be with God, taking time to be with your family, taking time to be with yourself, because as men, we're always pulled every single day. It's something every hour. It's something you got to schedule out even your weekends to get things done so that you don't have to worry about it during the week, you know, and it, it's constant, 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 and it's draining. And, um, Mark two, 23, it says, now it happened that when he went through the grain fields on the Sabbath and as they went and as they went, his disciples began to pluck the heads of grain. And the Pharisees said to him, look, why do they do what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And Jesus, he said this, and this is in red writing. Y'all can check it for yourselves. He said, have you never read what David did when he was in need and hungry? And when he was in need and hungry, he and those with him, and he went into the house of God in the days of the high priest and ate the showbread. Ooh which is not lawful to eat except for the priest. And he also gave some to those who were with him. And he said to them, the Sabbath was not made for man. I'm sorry. The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the son of man is also Lord of the Sabbath. So can we dive into the one? I think one of the reasons why, one of the ways we need to lose religion is that we also we that we have to be on the go all the time. Mm-hmm. That we always have to be in church every day, serving in this ministry, doing this, doing that, doing this, and doing this, and doing this, and then we forget about God in the background. Mm-hmm. We get so busy that we forget about Him. So, what are your thoughts on you know practicing like a weekly Sabbath or um, diving into shoot even like two hours or three hours where you don't do anything, but just spend time with God or you just rest and meditate. You know, what do you, what do you think about those, those issues? I know I said a lot prior to that, but (laughs) no, I do. I just want you to unpack. I think you nailed it when you said, you know, we get busy with work. Um, and I've, I've heard it said, and and I've, I've thought about this in the past where I think as Christians, we often fall into the trap of prioritizing, the work of the Lord over the Lord that gives us the work. Right. And, and that's exactly mm. what you alluded to. And, and I think it's, you know, we, as a result of that, you know, your identity kind of gets wrapped up in the work that you're doing, even though it's good work, yeah. nobody's going to challenge that what you're doing at church is bad, right? It's not sin, but if that becomes your priority, it becomes your identity. And because mm. it's your identity, you can never do enough, right? You're always asking yeah, yeah, more, yeah. you're always doing more. You can never say no. And I've fallen into this trap myself. And so you just burn yourself out, you know, and then you're not effective because you're, you're doing it you know, with the wrong attitudes or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, at the end of the day, God always comes back to our hearts. It's not what you do as as much as it is why you're doing it. Right. And, you know, we, we read about this with the Israelites throughout the old Testament, you know, the, the minor prophets, Hosea, all of that. It's all about getting back to the hearts of the Israelites. And, um, you know, when you, I actually was thinking about Isaiah one a little bit earlier today, where God actually straight up tells the Israelites through his prophet Isaiah that, the things that they do, their religious ceremonies, their feasts, the sacrifices, all the things that they did to actually honor God became, he became weary of them. They became a burden to him. And, and it actually says, I think it's in verse 14 of Isaiah one, you can go look it up, but it says, my soul hates them. I hate God. 
detested the work that they were actually doing to demonstrate their faithfulness to him when their hearts weren't in it. And he goes on after that to say, cleanse yourselves, you know, learn to do good, put away evil from your, your lives, basically. And, and so exactly what you're saying, it's not so much what we do, it's why we do it. And I think oftentimes for us, you know, when we, when we prioritize the work over the Lord, then, you know, we get burnt out. But the flip side, when we prioritize the Lord over the work, then two things happen. And the first one is, you, you know, he's going to lead us to the work that he has prepared for us. We read that in Ephesians yeah. 2 verse 10, right? You know, the works that he has prepared in advance for us to do, he will put you to work um, and you'll have the opportunity <laughs> to serve him. But the flip yeah. side of that in, in Matthew, um, and I'm drawing a blank where, where I think it's Matthew 11, we read that, you know, come to me, you who are weary and burdened. Yes, give you rest. Matthew you know, eleven twenty eight. Yep. Eleven twenty eight, right. And and God is a God of rest. And so I think as a Christian, it's just that balance of start with why. And it's to serve the Lord. It's to give him your heart. You know, in Matthew 22, he talks about uh, loving the Lord, your God, with all your heart, your soul and your mind being the first and greatest commandment. You know, it's that God is after our hearts first mm. and then the activity. And so I think, you know, it's it's just it's just a, a inverse of priorities uh, for a lot of Christians. Yeah. And because. In church context, the ones that I'm, the one church I am a part of, I'm a member of, I've got, like you, I was saved at a young age. I got saved at eight years old. You beat me by two years. But I got saved at eight. Um, beautiful experience. I'll never forget it. Um, sitting in the pew and hearing, come to me. Literally, as, as plainly as I'm talking right now, that's how I heard it in my heart. Mm-hmm. And I got up without me knowing what I was doing and gave my life to Jesus. You know, it was praise beautiful. <laughs> Listen, praise God. Cause if without him, mm-hmm. whoo, I don't know where I would be right now. Even though I rebelled, he still came and got me, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but I think in church context, we, how can I say this without getting into trouble? Uh, <laughs> we, we, we definitely need to, as leaders, we need to teach our volunteers and even those that are working to prioritize rest, but also prioritize God over the work. Because a lot of times, a lot of leaders are uh, pharaohic in their nature, meaning they have that Pharaoh nature. The more I afflict you, the more you will... <laughs> multiply and that doesn't work all the time, you know, and constantly going, 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 going. Um, we're not batteries. <laughs> it, it drains, you know, we get tired, um, having to deal with issue after issue and then also balance life along with those issues, um, is taxing, you know, and I, and I think part of it comes from the religious, standpoint of whatever you're talented at, whatever you're good at, you should be doing it in the church. And then, you know, I had to talk to somebody about that. He's, um, he's a producer. Like he loves producing music. And he was like, yeah, I've been getting into arguments with the elders at my church. Cause they feel as though I should be playing in the band. And I was like, well, has God led you to play in the band? And there, and he was like, no, I said, well, then, you shouldn't be playing in the band. Like don't do something you're not being led to do just because someone sees a talent in you doesn't mean you have to do it. And I was like, maybe God gave you your gift for outside of the four walls and you bring him with you where you go. 
I like, so you could be in the studio producing for a major artist and be witnessing to them while you're doing what you're doing. And you could do something that that pastor can never do because you have them, your gift, your talent, your, 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 your instrument has made room for you to be a witness. Right. And, and that's part of that. Like when you were alluding to kind of dug me into this next little question, like, I don't understand why we get so trapped into trying to hoard all the gifts and the talents into the church to, you know, pretty much just benefit the church body, which is good. You know, yeah, we're supposed to benefit the church body and do things, but a lot of things God gives us isn't for the four walls of the church. It's for the outside to bring them inside. Right. Like there's certain things that I wouldn't do in my church that I do outside of church because yeah. it brings more people in this way than me having to box myself into one thing. And I think it's part of control, maybe trying to control people, trying to um, showboat and gloat. Like I got this person doing this. I got this person doing that. You know, I'm not saying that that's all pastors, but I'm saying um, churches universal are doing it more and more often. Like they're hoarding a lot of gifts. Yeah. And one of the things I tell a lot of people, especially younger, um, young adults, I tell them, you know, the great commission is to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not to stay. It's to go. Mm-hmm. So as you're coming in, you go out and you go do the same thing. Um, so what what are your thoughts on um, the controlling factors that I don't know if you see them, but like, no, I, in the I church do. context, the control factors. Yeah, I understand completely what you're saying, you know, and I think it's it's easy for because there's so much going on at church, right? It's not just church on Sunday mornings. There's the prayer meetings, right. there's the ministries, there's the outreach, there's all the things that are happening oh, Monday yeah. through Saturday, right? It's it could be this never anything. And so, you know, if you think about like church as a pie chart, right? It's like a lot of it's easy for Christians, especially the ones that are gifted and talented, and everybody has mm-hmm. a gift or a talent. Let's just get that out there. Like there are yeah, more absolutely. talented people than others. Some talents are more visible, but everyone has a gift and a talent. And so you, oh, yeah. you know, whether it's serving in the childcare, it doesn't matter what it is. Whatever. But it's really easy because there's so much going on in the church that, you know, you can take, if your life was a pie chart, the church can become the entire circle because everything mm. you're doing is geared towards something that has to do with the church. Right. Whereas as Christians, like you said, our call is to go out. And so if our life is this circle, Church is a pie, is a slice of the pie, but you've got everything else in your life that you're supposed to be applying those same gifts to. And so we lose sight of that because there's so much going on at church. And I, I think, you know, I, I'm reminded of uh, there's a um, John C. Maxwell. He's an author. If you've never heard of him, he's written yeah, a lot man. of fantastic books, um, Intentional Living. I have like seven of them over Nice. There. Yeah, I've got a bunch on my bookshelf. <laughs> and um, But he he has this uh, sermon online, actually. You can YouTube it. It's called Paul's Blueprint for the Gospel. Um, And he's he's talking about, uh, it's like an hour and a half, and I'd recommend it if you have time to watch it. But one of the points that he makes is, um, and I just completely lost my train of thought on that, where I was going with that. Um, He makes the point that, uh, oh, I remember I was going with it. Sorry about that. Uh, No, you're good. You've got 49 at the time. And this was back in like 2017 or 2016. So that the statistics may have changed, but there's like Mm -hmm. 49% of people that will never step foot in church. 
they Absolutely. could hit the lowest of lows, rock bottom. Church still is never, come. they won't. Yeah, church is not going to cross their mind as an option, right? They're just not going to mm. set foot. And so if all we do is gear all of our energy and all of our focus and all of our gifts, and more than importantly, the light of Jesus, if we just pour all of that into the church, you're missing half the population of people that need Christ, right? And so it's like, mm-hmm. you know, the I've heard it said in the past that church is the huddle where you call the play, and then you actually go out into the world and you run the play, right? And so yeah. um, as Christians, yeah, it's it's great to pour into church. You know, I think that we we are the church. The the four walls isn't church. That's a building. Yeah, we are it's the church. And you know, and 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 it's like if you're there and you're gathered, we're we're called to meet together. Hebrews ten says, "Don't forsake meeting together." Absolutely. Um, all those things are good, but if that becomes the entire circle of your life, you're missing half of the population, and you're missing your calling of going out into the world to make disciples. Absolutely. And that was really where I was leading to, like, you know, for those people who feel like they're pressured to be inside the four walls all the time, it's good to serve your local assembly and, and to do what God has called you to do there. Now, remind, let me remind you, if he didn't call you to do it, don't do it <laughs> because that opens a whole nother can of worms. If you do it outside of just someone asked me to do it and I thought it'd be a great idea. Yeah, and after the first month, you want to pull your hair out. Yeah, I've because <laughs> I've because I've been there too. Yeah. You know, I had to be like, you know what, this this is not for me. I can't do this. You know, but on on top of that, take what you know from your teachings. Take what you know from your personal devotion time. That's a cuss word right there. People don't really do that anymore. Take <laughs> take take all those things. And tie it in with what God has called you to do outside of the four walls. If you're a teacher, you can reach more youth as a good Christian, you know, and you don't have to preach to them, but just be an example and let them come to you. That's what happened. That's happened to me on numerous occasions. Um, being in education, not, not a teacher in a classroom, but, you know, I used to work in a, uh, at a school where I was in administration. So walking around and talking to them, they would be like, why are you always so calm? Well, <laughs> it's not just me. Because <laughs> if it was just me, I'd be a wreck. You know, I'm calm and peaceful because I I lean on, on God for strength. And they're like, what? And, and there you go. You know, and it's not because, you know, you got to be careful in schools with all that stuff. But it does help. In those again, that's just one example uh, of what you could do in those in those states. So let's let's kind of shift gears here into the, the discipleship portion of this uh, this episode, and we already kind of touched on it already. I I brought it up in Matthew twenty eight nineteen, uh, where Jesus just tells his disciples before he goes gets ascended up, he says, "Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son." and of the Holy Holy Spirit. See, hold up. We're going to read that again because a lot of times people skip over that. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. People just say in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Don't forget the of, people. Okay, that's important. <laughs> Sorry, I just had a, a geek out. Every word. Every um, word. <laughs> every word is important. And then teaching them to deserve all the things I have commanded you. Allah, I'm with you even always even to the end of the age. So discipleship I find is one of the most important things once you get saved and it doesn't end 
you know, if you matriculate through discipleship classes or trainings or whatever, your discipleship should always continue as long as you continue mm -hmm. because the discipleship is rooted in following. Mm -hmm. Who are we following? We're following Christ. We're following the lead of the spirit. We're following the voice of the Lord and not necessarily our pastors, our teachers all the time. Yes. God speaks to them. God gives them instructions for us. That's why we have them. That's why we have those gifts in, in men and also women. Um, but I think part of the, the issue today is that discipleship has been lost and has been put into a box of another thing that we check off, you know? Um, and also I feel as though it's not really being properly, not demonstrated, but properly executed. You know, we think that discipleship is you come into a classroom, you open up your Bible, you grab your notebook and you take your notes and you go through the keys <laughs> of different things. It's five steps to discipleship or three steps to discipleship and different things of that nature. When discipleship is you're walking and you're talking and you're living it out with people, not necessarily while you're being taught, while you're being shown things, but also discipleship is you also doing the exploits. So can we talk a little bit about, you know, your discipleship experience? Have you discipled anybody, any challenges, you know, in that area? Have you had any? Yeah. You know, and I think one of the things you touched on just, just real quick was, you know, discipleship yeah, seems to be, to be missing a lot. Right. And it kind of ties back to what we were just talking about, you know, with, breaking away from the religion and the church and all of that. And I, I, I think, and this is just my opinion, but one of the reasons, and from what I've seen in my own experience, one of the reasons why discipleship is lacking, I believe in a lot of men today is because the church, uh, they've, they've kind of um, passed off the responsibility of discipling others to the church. Right. So they'll just mm. say like, Hey, I invited someone to church. Therefore now it's the church's responsibility to disciple that yeah, person. And disciple Jesus in those yeah, verses no. in Matthew 28, he didn't say invite them to church. He said, go yourself and make disciples, go you know, and, and, and yeah. exactly. And so we are all called, it doesn't matter who you are, or what your gifts or talents are. You have somebody that you can reach and it's your responsibility yeah, to go disciple that person. And so, yeah, yeah, the churches will even make it easy. Sometimes they'll give you a card and just say, Hey, go give mm -hmm. them an invite card. You don't even have to talk to anybody. Just hand them a card. Mm -hmm. And then you can pat yourself on the back because you invited someone to church, right? That's, that's not <laughs> discipling. Let's just get that out there. Um, in yeah. my own experience, and this is something you actually alluded to, and I love your story about even just the example of being in the hallway with students, you know, and I, I think discipleship is more importantly lived through your actions than it is through anything you can say. You have to yeah. live life with someone. You have to demonstrate what it looks like to someone, you know, especially if, you know, if you as a more mature believer are discipling someone who's new to Christ or is a little uh, less mature in the faith, then the best thing you can do for that person is to give them the walking, talking example of what it looks like. Obviously, Jesus is our ultimate example that we all strive to follow. Mm -hmm. But if you can demonstrate what it looks like to be led by the Holy Spirit, to have the fruits of the Spirit be evident, you know, to be self-controlled, to have love for others, to be uh, have peace, you know, kindness, joy, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, all of those things, if you can demonstrate on, it through your off. life— I know, right? If you and, uh, if you can if you can demonstrate those things, right? It's going to make the yeah. words that you speak that much more effective because you're living it. Versus if you go out and you know all the right things to say, but the moment 
you know, the poop hits the fan, you flip out. And, you know, that's your, <laughs> that's the example that you're setting. That's right? your and, MO. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So you have to live it with your actions. And in my own personal experience, you know, I, I mentioned at the outset that my parents split up when I was seven. I was mm-hmm. really young. Um, so I didn't have that father figure in my life until my mid 20s. And the people that were the most influential in my life that are my brothers to this day were those that didn't just tell me what the right thing to do was, but they came alongside me and they lived life with me and they demonstrated through their own lives what it looks like. Um, and obviously I've done a lot of growing with them. You know, we're all in our mid twenties at that point, you kind of, you know, they have their learning and they're growing to go through just like I did, but it really, those were the experiences and those are the people that have been the most influential in my life because they lived it with me. They didn't just tell me, Hey, this is what the Bible says. You have to go do this. And then I'll catch up with you next week and see how you did. Right. It's like, let's live <laughs> life together and let's walk through things yeah. together. Um, yeah. so it really, it's all about relationships, right? We, God desires our hearts. He desires for us to go love one another and build relationships with each other and live life with mm-hmm. each other. And that's where the discipleship mm-hmm. happens. Yeah. And if you think about it, it, I just, it just hit me just now. It started in the garden. You know, he created mm-hmm. man for relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, he had, he had love in his heart that he, he needed to express. He needed to share. He needed someone he could pour it into. So that's why he created man. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't, some people say he didn't want to be God without us. You know, everything that exists in earth, on earth, around earth, he created so that we would have a safe place to dwell. Mm-hmm. But then also he gave us a part of him because he loved us and he wanted us to be with him. And then what did he do with Adam in the beginning, he walked with him in the cool of the day, every day. Mm-hmm. That's discipleship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he was, Adam, let's, let's go look at these animals. Tell me what they are. Mm-hmm. I'm going to show you what this tree is. I'm going to show you over here. I'm going to walk you through this. I'm going to share with you who I am every day up until that fateful day when he chose to follow something else. Mm-hmm. We all know that story and how that goes. but the discipleship model isn't a new Testament thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's everywhere, you know, Joshua and, and Caleb and Moses, I'm sorry, Moses and Joshua. But then you also have Caleb, you got um, Jacob and all his sons. He discipled them the best way he could. Mm-hmm. Um, you got Abraham and Isaac. You have uh, Samuel and David, mm-hmm. Elijah and Elisha. Mm-hmm. Um, you name it. Even Jesus had all. Peter, James, and John, right? He had his three inner circle. Yeah. yeah. He had his three inner. Yeah. He had his three inner, inner circle, uh, com- comprised of the, also the 12, you mm-hmm. know, and we're, and I don't know. Do you watch the chosen? I've seen season one and part of season two. I got to go back and, and finish it though. Okay. All right. You, you watched enough. You watched I've, enough. I've seen enough. Yeah. So, yeah, you you watch enough because season one and uh, season one crippled me one day mm-hmm. one night. I I remember watching it and I was hooked automatically. Once mm-hmm. I got to like episode four, the tears mm-hmm. that were flowing down my face, especially the scene where Jesus is discipling the children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's teaching them things. He's doing life with them. They're doing life with him. Mm-hmm. He's giving them jobs and tasks to do. Yeah. As he's sharing spiritual wisdom 
with them. And I was like, this is the perfect picture mm-hmm. of what it's like to be in a relationship with, with Jesus. He gives you a task. You're going to have a job. You're not just going to sit here and do nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. and, but he also gives you those spiritual, that spiritual wisdom. And one of, one of the things I love about the chosen, I'm not going to give too much away because I know you didn't finish. Um, because I definitely want you to finish, especially when you get to season three. Oh my God. I've been um, hearing all about it. So it's dude. Yeah, I got dude. To. Take your time. Well, I will. Yeah. But dude, <laughs> so that what I love about the chosen is that it gives you, it gives us the actual, an actual realistic, not model, but a look at what it would have been like to be one of Jesus disciples. The scriptures are good. They give you the blueprint. They give you the meat. They give you everything that you need. But the one thing that it lacks in certain areas is the humanity because mm-hmm. you can read things in the book and be like, okay, I read it. I got the principles. Yada, yada, yada. But what about how someone felt in those moments? What about how, you know, Jesus might have felt on his way to the cross. And I'm, I'm, I'm setting this up for, for another talking point. You know, Jesus tells his disciples, if anyone wants to follow me, let him first take up his cross. Right. I don't think people fully understand how big of a task that is for us to do. And people, and I know there are certain people that turned it into a religious thing. You got to take up your cross. (laughs) And then some people turn anything into their cross, anything into their cross. Oh, this is just my cross to bear. And (laughs) without asking Jesus or God, What's my cross? What what am I supposed to be carrying right now? What is the weight of the responsibility that you want on my shoulders? Because that's all the cross really equals to is the weight of responsibility. He was chosen to carry. He was chosen to carry the cross for our sins, you know, and what are we chosen to carry for his glory is really the, the real task. So I guess my question is, and we, you can, I'm gonna let you do free reign on that is, you know, how, how can we encourage those who are trying to step away from religious dogma, religious schedules and encourage them to really step into relationship following like that, that one statement, you know, following Jesus, of course, he says, follow me and you'll become. And then he also says, follow me and take up your cross. So how can we encourage people to really dive into a relationship over, you know, religious dogma? Yeah. And it's, it's a great, I mean, we could unpack this for a long time because there's so much there. Um, you know, but yeah, I think what you're saying is, dude, it's so good. It's so good. And I think like Christianity has become in a lot of ways, just, I mean, it's become super fluffy, right? It's sharing a really cool meme or a verse of the day with a flowery background. It's like you, you alluded to it, right? It's the, it's the, this is just like fluffy. 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 It, it is. I mean, but it's like, you know what I'm saying though? Like it, it, it becomes that saying of like, oh, this is just my cross to bury or to carry yeah, because it sounds, you know, religious and it sounds good. And, 
every single Christian, if you ask them, do you want to walk like Jesus walked? Do you want to live like Jesus lived? Every single one of them, hands down, without a doubt, will tell you yes. But have you actually stopped to consider what it actually would be like or what did Jesus's path actually look like? And you're, you're getting mm-hmm. into it, you know, when you say these things like Jesus's path was brutal. Like it was fulfilling. Obviously, he was doing God's will. He did it out of love <laughs> for us. But at the same day, like they yeah. straight up crucified him. And he tells yeah. us in John that if they hated him, they're going to hate you, too. Right. So I think the exactly. number one thing. One of the biggest things that's missing in discipleship in Christians and churches today is really preparing Christians to count the cost of following Jesus. We're not prepared for it because it's easy when you're in church. And I think it's easy when you're in church, because as long as you stay in church, Satan's not going to mess with you. The world's not Mm going to mess with you. They like you there because you're not impacting anybody else. Hey, you know what? You, You keep your little bubble. You stay there. Have at it. You know, right. you'll, you'll have your little <laughs> struggles. And obviously we go through hard times. We live in a sinful world. That's not to minimize Absolutely. what people go through in any way, shape or form. Absolutely. But you can't just go to church or, or do all of that and then say that you're carrying your cross, right? You're carrying mm. your cross begins the minute you step out in the world and you start to carry Christ with you into the world. And that's when you're going to hit opposition, right? You that's cannot good. walk with Christ today and not have it have a ripple effect in your life. I mean, the, the boundary good. lines, and I, I talked with this a little bit about, uh, about this with Donovan when I was on his cast uh, podcast um, a week or two ago, where the, the boundary lines or the, the line in the sand between good and evil, light and darkness, and all of that in the world today is really becoming blatantly clear. It used to be you could kind of, you could go to church on Sundays, you could be a Christian, then you could go to work and you could go to school and you wouldn't really have to compromise your beliefs, but you could kind of blend in, right? There's no hardships, mm-hmm. there's no difficulty because you blend in. Today, though, it's becoming more and more blatant. You either follow Christ or you don't. And it's like in the second you stand up for anything to do with Christ, you're in opposition to the world. Oh, yeah. And what happens to you when you're in opposition to the world, right? I mean, they're going to crucify you, if not literally figuratively. And so I think it's one of those things where, like, we have to prepare Christians, especially new Christians. You know, it's like, hey, you've accepted Christ. Amazing. Now here's what to expect and what to prepare for, right? It's not just all... You know, it's not all sunshine and roses. Like we are actually no going to be carrying a cross that leads to a hill that you're going to be crucified on. And it's, you know, and obviously in some places of the world, that's a little more literal. And, you know, but here in the Western civilization, it's more figurative. It, who knows? I hope it doesn't get literal, but the direction <sighs> that things are going, we have to be prepared for it, I think. And gotta be prepared. Yeah, gotta man. be prepared. So count the cost. Like ask yourself, is it truly worth it to you to follow Jesus? And if the answer yeah. in your head is yes, then think about what that actually means. And and I think, you know, the the other thing I would just mention is um, you know, it's it's not something that you can just do on a uh day by day basis, right? Like I'll pick and choose when I'm gonna carry my co- my cross. You are either doing it or you're not, because at the end of the day, Jesus is watching and he's with us. Even when no one else sees, he's with you in those hidden moments when you're by yourself, he's with you, he sees you. And he's the one that we're ultimately trying to please, right? Galatians 1, 10, am I trying to win the approval of man or of God? If you only carry your cross when you think other people are watching, you're swinging and missing because you're you're not, <laughs> right? And so it's like carry your cross all the time, but yeah. it also goes back to what we were just talking about. Your actions speak louder than your words. You can yeah. say you're going to carry your cross, but you have to carry your cross no matter what the consequence or be willing to. And Jesus did. He saw it through all the way to the end. Um, yeah. And I think that's one of the biggest things that's missing in, in church discipleship today is that preparation for counting that cost. Yep. Yep. And and I can give a personal story. Like when I first got into ministry <clears throat> and it was just minute stuff like working in multimedia. Um it was, it was cool in the beginning, but then 
started making impact, like not necessarily like me going out and doing seminars, but winning other young men into the ministry. Like, Hey, I saw that you do this, 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 and this. Hey, I want to be a part of that. And I'm like, okay, cool. And then finding out the reason why they wanted to come is because they, they were watching me mm-hmm. and they felt like they could do it because I was doing it. And then having conversations and guiding them through spiritual truths and being there for them, even when they fall or if they say, Hey, I'm going out after this and I'm going to go get a drink. I'm not judging you. I'm not going to say, Oh, you shouldn't be drinking. I'm not going to say that at all. What I am going to say is be mindful, be careful. You know what you're supposed to do. You know what you're not supposed to do. You know, I'm not going to tell you, yeah, put God says, throw all your liquor away. I'm not going to do that because that's not what he told me to do. He told me to love you. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so and part of my love for you is to tell you the truth, but also to leave space for you to make your own decision. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because that's what yeah. essentially what God does. That's free will. He left the space for us to make our own decisions. Yeah. And you know, and that's once that started happening, that's when I started noticing uh, spiritual attacks. That's when I started noticing um, persecution from within the four walls. Um, also started noticing jealousy and things of that nature, which blew my mind. Cause I'm like, I'm doing the right thing. Why is this happening to me? You know, why am I going through all these things? And and then to add more to it, then I get called into a one-on, not necessarily one-on-one, but it's a small group of men that my pastor picked out to mentor for two years. Like literally every week we were with him for at least two hours. And he mentored us for two years straight, taught us a lot of stuff. I got notebooks galore full of notes from him. That is so good. Like I could literally do the rest of my podcast off of his notes. If I really wanted to, <laughs> I could build the rest of this show all the way out off of his notes. And I'm probably going to use some of them. So, you know, he, I already told him, so I'm cool with that. But what I'm getting to is once I, I dived into that and then he told me what the real reason why he was mentoring us was because he wanted to raise up a new group of deacons in his church. And God told him that it was us that were in the room that he chose. So he had to spend the time to mentor us, to nurture us so that we could be ready to withstand the persecution that was going to come, the tests that were going to come and all that stuff. So of course I accept the position. I go through my training. I go through ordination processes and classes and all that stuff, get ordained in 2018. And then I really start to figure out, do I really want to do this for real? Because now, you know, you get ordained, get your hands laid on you. Some people Mm -hmm. fall out in the spirit, all that good stuff that happens during those services. But what happens after when you start hearing the whispers and the hiss of the enemy? Yeah. What starts happening after when, you know, your family starts to spiral? Some people's health starts to fail. When you got to constantly go to hospitals because people are dying. You know, when you're going to do communion in nursing homes because someone just got placed in there and they can't take care of themselves anymore, you know, and it's over and over and over and over again. And then when the enemy comes and say, hey, this isn't you, this is not what you're supposed to do. You're no good. 
you still sin, you still go through this, you still go through that. And what I had to do literally is what you said, count the calls. I had to go through and figure out, is this really worth what I'm going for? And we know that it is after we read certain scriptures, you know, you obtain, um, what is it in second Timothy? I forgot where it's at, but it's in second Timothy where he talks about, you know, you get obtain a good report with the Lord and with man and things of that nature. I forgot where it's at. It's second Timothy two, I think somewhere in there. My, I'm spacing out, but what he, what David was alluding to, I lived and I'm sure he lived it as well. You know, there's, there's plenty of people, plenty of times where I had to even count the cost with this podcast. This isn't my first one. This is my second one. My first podcast was called conversations at the table and going through that podcast process. I was like, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. And I shut it down. I just stopped doing it. And it was people like Donovan and others who reached out to me. I was like, dude, you got to keep going because God's in it. Like he's, he, he told you to do it. Why are you quitting? And I'm like, it's not worth it. But then after much consideration and prayer and a couple uh knocks up against the head from God, you know, <laughs> it's like, you got to do it. And I think for people who are striving to pursue God in another way, um, your whole life is a ministry, your entire life. You know, you don't have to be in public church ministry to be effective. You don't have to be um, someone's pastor, someone's teacher, someone's evangelist, someone's prophet, someone's apostle to be uh, effective. You don't have to be a deacon. You don't have to be an elder. All the names, archbishops, bishops, quadruple bishops, all of them. You don't have to do any. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to do any of that stuff to be effective. Um, and that's really where we're alluding to in this uh, in this episode is that the religious ways of pursuing God need to stop mm -hmm. because he came that we might have relationship. He came also that we could worship him in spiritual spirit and truth, not necessarily because someone told us to, mm -hmm. not because we have to go to a building to check in and do that. Yes. We assemble together and we love that it's power there. There's family there. Mm -hmm. But pursuing God with your heart, as David was alluding to, is really where we're going. And that's what Jesus was really after, you know, with the disciples, their heart, with the people. He was after their heart. He was after teaching them and, and showing them the Father. And I think that's how we lose our religion is when we really tap into who the Father is and, and tap into, like you said, the light and the heart of God and what he really cares about. He doesn't care about titles. And we, we throw, we call pastors, preachers, teachers, evangelists, apostles, and bishops and all that. We call them titles. He called them gifts. Right. <laughs> he, That's good. he called yeah. them five fold ministry gifts. Mm -hmm. We call them titles. He doesn't care about your title. If he decided that you were going to be that type of gift, you would be that type of gift. Mm -hmm. Stop pursuing it. Yep. 
Let him yeah. show you that it's him. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, that's really good, man. And and I one thing just to add is is in those moments when you're hearing those whispers, you know, especially from yeah. the enemy, if you're not good enough, or whispers from other people, you're going to get assault, you know, from everyone within the church and outside the church. You know, it's it's important. I think at times it can be discouraging. You know, anytime somebody starts whispering against you, it, it, it as human beings, we start processing those thoughts and we start thinking, "Am I good enough? Maybe I shouldn't be doing yeah. this." You know, and and we yeah. do start all those that things, thought. man. But it's like we have to realize that the enemy only pursues those who are actually going to do damage, right? Like take it as a badge of honor. If you if you are feeling some of those attacks, you're getting those whispers, you're feeling it, then it means ultimately that the devil is trying to prevent you from doing what God is actually calling you to do. And he knows. You know, in John 6, he knows, right? And, and in John 6, you know, Jesus says, woe, woe are you when all men speak well of you. You know, so their father yeah. spoke of the false prophets, right? It's like if everybody actually really likes you, you're doing something wrong because you're 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 choosing comfort over being you know following the calling that god has placed on your life and so i think that's something that i've had to learn and i've actually like when i start feeling those attacks you almost look at it as not today satan right like somewhat jokingly but it's it's still kind of like yeah you're not going to stop me and 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 it kind of it stems from it kind of goes back to that whole spiritually dangerous mindset Uh, Mm -hmm. When a man truly arms himself with the spirit of God, he immerses himself and he roots himself in the word of God. He pursues the calling. He pursues the heart of the father. Like you were saying, he pursues relationship. If he's pursuing those things, Satan's going to tremble and he's going to be afraid. And he's not afraid of me as a man. He's afraid of what I'm arming myself with because he knows that's a power that he can't defeat. And so what is he going to do? He's going to try to stop you from tapping into that power because if you're isolated, you're alone, right? Like, God compares yeah. Satan to a lion, right? You know, you have an adversary, the devil, uh, who walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Roaring lion. It's like, yeah. how does a lion hunt, right? A lion's not just going to come blasting into the middle of a herd where you can see him coming a mile away. He's going to he sneak you. up. He, stop, he stalks you. He finds the one that's isolated, and then he goes for the throat. And it's kind of like he, he's going to isolate you first and then go for the kill. And I think that's what a lot of those whispers, those thoughts, those insecurities, the temptation to sin – all of those things start creeping up in your own life when you're pursuing the father like that, because he's trying to isolate you so he can take you down. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and it's a beautiful, it's beautiful when you point it out that way, because then that gives people a, a way to connect the dots. Mm -hmm. And then also don't forget guys, you know, Ephesians and the whole armor. There's a reason why it's in detail the way that it is. I think one of the most important, uh, pieces that we need to keep on is the helmet of salvation. Mm-hmm. You know, really keeping that, keeping our minds secure because the battle, the first battle was in heaven, right? We know that the first battle was in heaven against God and his, and, and uh, it was God versus Satan in, in heaven. The second battle that we fight every day is in our minds. Mm-hmm. It's in our minds. Yeah. So, you know, in losing religious um, traditions and losing the way that we um, go about things, we need to really, really hone in on what he's already given us. And you and you you shared it before. He's given us uh, everything that pertains to life and godliness. You know, he's he's given us the tools and the keys and things to pursue after what to think on what to think on these things, whatsoever things are good and pure and lovely and all those things, you know, and part of losing your religion is gaining self-control 
mm-hmm. and discipline yeah. and learning the scriptures for yourself on top of what you're being taught at church through your pastors. Um, because there are certain things in the script is certain parts of the book that you won't even get the chance to touch on in an entire year. But there are certain things in the book that you need to learn. And I'm just giving away practical tips for people. Yeah. Um, and then the, another thing that you can do to lose religion is to type in, in Google, <laughs> you know, how do I overcome this? How do I, you know, what the Bible has to say about religion, what the Bible has to say about the cross, what the Bible has to say about whatever you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Google has become the easiest study partner. <laughs> we live in the age of information. There's no excuse, Listen, right? Information no, there's there. really no excuse. The information's yeah. out there. You know, you're accountable mm-hmm. now. Yeah. And I just want to share one last story and then we can wrap up um, about losing religion. God has been taking me on a journey this these past few months. You know, I got engaged in April. Um, thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, got engaged in April. And then from that moment on, things have changed mm-hmm. even before that. But things have really changed. And I think one of the one of the reasons why it has changed so much is that I tied. I really understand the scripture. Husband, love your wife as Christ has loved the church. Mm-hmm. How much did he love the church? He was willing to die. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So how much do you love Christ? How much do you love God? Are you willing to die to yourself? So part of the, the this, this new journey that I'm on is letting go of religions. And here's how I'm doing it. You know, I start practicing now Sabbath on Saturdays. And one of the beautiful things about a Sabbath Saturday that I found is that it's most the most relaxing time to do nothing, <laughs> but also to really dive into uh, just one-on-one time with God. And in this journey, he's been talking to me about a lot of different stuff. And I'm preparing now, and I'm going to put it out there because I believe it's time to put it out there. Uh, I'm preparing now to leave my my current church. And I know that where I'm going, the religious mindsets that I had in the past can't go with me. That's one of the reasons why he's doing what he's doing and why I got a chance to meet you, why I got a chance to have this conversation with you and dive into the things that's in my head. And in my heart and the things that he's sharing with me is because he's preparing us to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to encourage whoever is listening, you know, at this point right now, you've been listening for a reason, probably to get to this point to allow God to do what he's doing in your life mm-hmm. because it's setting you up for something so much more beautiful. Yeah. Like you're like, if he's challenging you to let go of a system, to let go of a belief, let go of a habit, let go of whatever and to embrace him in a new way. There's a reason for it. Don't resist him. Be prepared for the next because the next is going to take you, your family, and even, you know, your future generations into a deeper legacy, a deeper richness with God. And I just, I don't know why that came up. 
I just wanted to share that with somebody. I, mean, I don't know who's going to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know it's, who's going to hear it, but I had to get it out. It's so good, man. And and I'm, I'm on that same journey myself, right? Letting go of, of things that we cling to. Like you know, Jesus even said it, you know, you, you dishonor God for the sake of your tradition. Basically we hang on to those mm. things because they're comfortable, they're safe, they're traditional, all of that, you know, but it's, it's really just boils down. And, and I've been on a similar journey. Like I mentioned at the outset since 2019, it, it just boils down to taking ownership. You have yeah. to take ownership. You know, you can't, you can't outsource your walk with God to a church. You can't outsource your walk with God to a system, right? You have to take ownership of it. If you need prayer, pray. Don't wait for the church to set up a prayer meeting so you can go pray, right? If you yeah. want to know what the word of God says about a topic, don't wait for them to start a Bible study about that topic. So you can learn what the Bible says, go dig into the Bible and find out well. yourself, right? Like if you, yeah. if you have kids, like I have a seven month old daughter, you know, like I'm, this is something I've been thinking a lot about as a new father of, of all of that responsibility. It's like, don't mm-hmm. rely on the church's child care to raise my daughter as her father. Absolutely. It's my responsibility to raise my daughter. Ephesians, you know, says six verse four says, uh, or it might be four verse six. I might be flipping those, but it says, you know, train up your child in the way that they should go. They uh, should go. Proverbs yeah. 22 as well, but train up your child in the discipline and the understanding of the Lord. And so there's all these things that we outsource to the church, but it's like, take ownership of your own walk, take ownership of your own understanding of the truth, take ownership of yeah. your relationship with Christ. And and he is going to lead you exactly where he's led me and he's leading you. Or I should say he's leading me because I'm on the same journey, but it's, yeah, he's it, leading. If, you, yeah, if you take ownership of that, he's going to lead you out of previous mindsets, previous states of mind, previous perceptions, previous patterns of thought and behavior. He's going to lead you out of all of it into something new. Um, and you know, it's, he promises it when he says the old has passed away, all things have become new, right? So embrace it and enjoy the journey, enjoy the process, but be excited about where God leads you because, you know, we spend a lot of time talking about the cost and the cost is high, you know, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, the reward of it is well done, good and faithful servant, you know, and, and that's something I've actually tried to visualize in my mind. I, I don't know what heaven is going to actually look like, but that's the reward, right? Like at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what happens in this life or on this earth. Every single yeah, one of us, whether we're saved or not, every single one of us is going to stand before God and give an account for how we lived. Every single one of us. I want to hear well done, good and faithful servant, you know, and it's like, that's <laughs> the reward. Uh, yes, the joy of your sure. Lord. So that's, you know, I, I'm, I'm with you on that journey. And I would encourage your listeners to like, to the same thing, take ownership and then see where God leads you. Yeah. Yeah. There, I, I, there's so many people on that journey and there's so many people searching for answers for hope. Um, and I pray that this episode has done just a little bit to get puncture in the right direction and to allow you to even have the conversations that you need to have with whomever, you know, whether it's your spouse, whether it's a friend, whether it's a buddy of yours, or you want to take it back to your discipleship group and say, Hey, what do you feel about this? How do you feel about this verse? How do you feel about that verse? Find your own verses, you know, ask God to lead you in his word to find you some find something that will give you a long lasting study. You know, a lot of times we try to study things and be done with it in a day. No, no, no. Take the time, (laughs) take the time and study that thing out. There's so much in the scriptures. Like if you really want to become better, read one, the same scripture every day. I guarantee you it'll start to mean something different every day to you because it applies in different ways. It applies in whatever we do, whatever we go through. Um, so yeah, man, any final, um, thoughts, emotional outbursts, comments, (laughs) anything you got 
Uh, I'll spare you the emotional outburst, but no, I, I think, uh, I think you kind of nailed it. I, the, the take ownership is the biggest piece of advice, you know, but you know, I, I just yeah. tag on to what you just said and I'll, I'll close with this one. It's that God's word is living, right? We, we read that it's sharper than any two edged sword. Mm. It's living. It's not a one and done book just because you've read something before doesn't mean you've read it. Right. So yeah. I, I love what you said. It's going to hit you different depending on the season of life that you're in. Um, I would encourage you to read the books that you haven't read yet. You know, there's a lot of books yeah. in the Bible that can be hard to read sometimes, but it's like, mm. read them. They're in there for, yeah. you know, they're in there for a reason. Read Find them. Find you then, a good translation if you need to. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And, and get the Strong's Concordance. If you don't know what something means, go look up the original meanings of words. That's something I started doing in my own studies. You know, even yes. verses that I've memorized since I was a kid, I'd go look at Go back and get it. And like, what is the original translation? And sometimes right. you realize like, whoa, like that's actually saying something totally different. So, <laughs> yeah. 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 Something different, get, yeah. Get it in you and then reread the books you've already read because, yeah, depending on the season of life. Yeah, yeah man. Gonna, gonna yeah. Yeah, because it – I'm not going to give it away. I was about to give it away, but I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to give it away because it's, it's in season three. But we, we need – The of self-control right there. Right, right, right. We need, we need to start recognizing our need for him mm-hmm. yeah. and not just – our need for him when things are wrong, but our need for him daily. Like this scripture keeps ringing in my head. And now I know why it's ringing in my head because it's coming up right now. You know, that give us this day, our daily bread, right. which means every day you have something fresh from God. Mm-hmm. And we need to pursue that because there's a reason why that's in the Lord's prayer. There's a reason why Jesus prayed the way that he prayed about getting that daily fresh bread from God, not necessarily bread that we eat, you know? And if you want to know what that bread is, David has already told you how to find it in the strong <laughs> concordance. I'm oh, not going to hit pancakes too, <laughs> but I'm not going to go and, and go into a whole deep Bible study on the bread. Um, that's not what this is for. You know, you can look that up in there in the Strong Concordance. You can get a Hebrew and Greek study Bible. That's one of my favorites. I have mm, two of them. I have one in New King James Version, and I have one in the King James. Beautiful study Bibles. They cost a little bit of money, but it's worth the price if you really want to do what you're going to do. Um, Yeah, so I don't even know how we're going to end this, but we're about to end this right now. Um, So I just want to... You know, thank everybody for their support uh, with the new podcast format from, you know, Stephen's episode to uh, coach, the coach's episode, the financial coach. I got a lot of feedback on that one. I thank you guys for that one. That was actually quite funny feedback because people were like, man, I didn't know I was messing up my money. Yeah, you was messing up your money. <laughs> and then to, today's episode, uh, I I pray that it touches you. I pray that it helps you to kind of dive into a different way. This is not going to be the last time you see David uh, in my face next to each other. Um, I want to let David in on a little secret. I'm working on a mentoring uh, show. And after listening to you, you have, I, I want to invite you to be that fourth slot, man. Let's talk I want you to be the fourth sure. man. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll definitely talk about it. But I want to invite you to be on the fourth slot. I'm going to have, it's going to be myself, Donovan, and one other person uh, on there. And we're going to talk about mentorship. 
mm-hmm. and how we've been affected by mentors, but also how we've mentored people. Mm-hmm. So uh, I want everybody to be on the lookout for that. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be four of us on here at the same time. Hopefully we don't be sitting here for three hours, but if we do, <laughs> we'll let, we'll let the Holy ghost lead us. Um, as always, I want to thank you for joining studio One Twenty Four. be your most creative self, be your most spiritually dangerous self, but also love God and love people. See you on the next episode. Peace.